Good morning, everyone, and welcome into the house of the Lord this Sunday morning. Are there any greetings or announcements for the church? Thank you, Brother Peter. Uh, Brother Peter Bronco is visiting us from Avon Road. Please extend our greetings back to Avon Road when you return. Thank you, Brother Zoran. Brother Zoran brings greetings from, from um, Akron, where he was uh, this past weekend for the baptism there. There are many uh, believers uh, and friends from the Ukraine uh, that have fled, of course, the conflict there and have settled in the Akron area. There's, I think, 38 families, Brother Zoran said, that are there. Um, some are now being baptized also in the West Akron Church, so let's continue to keep them in prayer as well. Thank you. Greetings from Sister Edith. Was that mother? Thank you. Go ahead, Sister Viorca. Thank you very much, Sister Viorca. For those that may remember, Sister Viorca was part of our congregation here in Toronto for uh, many years, and she is. Uh, Returning to visit us from Romania, she brings greetings from her family there and from the church as well, and also from Sister Christine Hunzinger. Thank you. Greetings from Sister Hannah, who went to Avon Road this morning. Thank you. I'll try to make sure I get all of that. Um, greetings from uh, Brother Sid and Sister Mary, who went to Avon Road today. And also, uh, Brother Edwin is able to receive phone calls. There's a phone number that's in the email, the church email announcements for those that would like to call him. But his hearing isn't so good, so that may not work. But cards are appreciated. Lord willing, I'd like to be in Richmond Hill next week um, for a visit. And uh, Lord willing, also the following week, we have the baptism in Strasbourg Road Kitchen. I'd like to be there as well. I'd like to take the greetings with me when I go. Please extend our greetings. Thank you. Thank you. I'll just repeat that as well. Um, Brother Edmund is not here today. He, he had a last minute opportunity to travel with Sister Margaret Nagy to Austria. And so he's, he's there now. Uh, he extended greetings to the church. Next weekend, he'll be back by next weekend, but next weekend, uh, my brother Eric and, uh, and brother Edmund will be going with a, a number of our young people to go visit the Glencoe Outreach just outside of London. And uh, we'd like you to take our church's greetings when you, when you travel there and uh, give you a safe return as well. Uh, let me just get the announcements, uh, just to make sure we haven't missed anything. The focus of this month's collection is the uh, Christian Aid Ministries um, collection for those that are suffering from the conflict in Gaza and Israel. Uh, that's this month's collection. Uh, this uh, Wednesday is uh, CFG. Please join us, I believe, for a Bible study. The Glencoe Outreach, I'll just read this in case I've missed any details. Uh, the Glencoe Christmas Outreach uh, is uh, where each, each of the area churches are taking a turn to visit there. Um, and uh, it's our church's turn on December 3rd, which is, of course, next, next weekend. And uh, Brother Edwin would like about six to ten people at least to go. And I think uh, there's already a number of you that have committed to that as well. 
Uh, there, there won't be any choir next week, but there will be choir today, I believe. Uh, next week, uh, because of the Glencoe visit, there won't be so many here. So we're, we won't have choir pr um, practice, and we'll begin services at our summertime, which would be 1.30 in the afternoon instead of 2 o'clock. So we'll slide the schedule for next week forward by a half hour for the afternoon. The youth of our church and the Sunday School are collecting non-perishable food items for a food drive. You'll see the table downstairs in the corner in the little nook there. So please bring in your non-perishable food items. We're going to be donating those to some food banks um, at the beginning of December, or middle of December, I think. December 10th is going to be the cutoff for donations for that. I believe there are now four cards at the back to sign, and we'd like to get those cards off. So please uh, sign those cards. There's uh, some for some of the grieving families that have lost loved ones, and, and Brother Edwin as well, and, and I think there's another as well. Downstairs on the small table, there's a number of old messengers. The, the Christian messenger that uh, was the, the circular that was sent uh, to, our, to our members for many, many years, it still is. Um, they're, they're together in binders, they're from 1958 on. So you can flip through those and see, find your, your, uh, what church events were going on years ago and even the testimonies maybe of some of your parents and, and uh, loved ones. Um, so it's an interesting resource downstairs. We just ask that you don't m remove the messengers from the binders because they're quite fragile and old, but they're free for you to take a look at at church. And that is all the announcements that I have. Let me just make sure. Before we look into God's word together, let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank thee for this time that we have to gather our hearts and thoughts around thy word. We ask for thy presence now to be with us. Thou dost know the needs of each one that are gathered here this morning. Thou hast the answer for all of life's questions and problems. And the one place in this entire universe where we can find true refuge and peace is in thee. Heavenly Father, be with us now in our meditation. Be with those that could not gather with us this morning. And bless them even though they are absent from us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. For this morning's meditation, I'd like to turn to Mark's uh, record of the gospel. Mark chapter 14. I'd like to read part, start reading partway through that chapter. Mark chapter 14, beginning at the 26th verse. And when they, and that's the disciples and Jesus, had sung an hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. And Jesus saith unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep shall be scattered. But after that I am risen... I will go before you into Galilee. But Peter said unto him, Although all shall be offended, yet will not I. And Jesus saith unto him, Verily I say unto thee, That this day, even in this night, Before the cock crow twice, Thou shalt deny me thrice. But he spake the more vehemently, If I should die with thee, I will not deny thee in any wise. Likewise also said they all, and they came to a place which was named Gethsemane, and he saith to his disciples, Sit ye here, while I shall pray. And he taketh with him Peter and James and John, and began to be sore amazed, and to be very heavy, and saith unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful unto death, tarry ye here and watch. And he went forward a little, and fell on the ground, and prayed that, if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou wilt. And he cometh and findeth them sleeping, and saith unto Peter, Simon, sleepest thou? Couldst not thou watch one hour? Watch and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. The spirit truly is ready, but the flesh is weak. And again he went away and prayed and spake the same words. And when he returned, he found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. Neither wist they what to answer him. And he cometh a third time and saith unto them, Sleep on now and take your rest. It is enough. The hour is come. Behold, the Son of Man is betrayed 
into the hands of sinners. Rise up, let us go. Lo, he that betrayeth me is at hand. And immediately, while he, was, while he yet spake, cometh Judas, one of the twelve, and with him a great multitude with swords and staves from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. And he that betrayed him had given them a token, saying, Whomsoever I shall kiss, the same is he. Take him and lead him away safely. And as soon as he was come, he goeth straightway to him and saith, Master, Master, and kissed him. And they laid their hands on him and took him. And one of them that stood by drew a sword and smote a servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Are ye come out as against a thief with swords and with staves to take me? I was daily with you in the temple teaching, and ye took me not. But the scriptures must be fulfilled. And they all forsook him and fled. And there followed him a certain young man, having a linen cloth cast about his naked body. And the young men laid hold on him, and he left the linen cloth and fled from them naked. And they led Jesus away to the high priest. And with him were assembled all the chief priests and the elders and the scribes. And Peter followed him afar off, even into the palace of the high priest. And he sat with the servants and warmed himself at the fire. And the chief priests and all the council sought for witness against Jesus to put him to death and found none. For many bear false witness against him, but their witness agreed not together. And there arose certain and bear false witness against him, saying, We heard him say, I will destroy this temple that is made with hands, and within three days I will build another made without hands. But neither so did their witness agree together. And the high priest stood up in the midst and asked Jesus, saying, Answerest thou nothing? What is it which these witness against thee? But he held his peace and answered nothing. Again, the high priest asked him and said unto him, Art thou the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? And Jesus said, I am. And ye shall see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest rent his clothes and saith, What need we any further witnesses? Ye have heard the blasphemy. What think ye? And they all condemned him to be guilty of death. And some began to spit on him and to cover his face and to buffet him and to say unto him, Prophesy! And the servants did strike him with the palms of their hands. And as Peter was beneath in the palace, there cometh one of the maids of the high priest. And when she saw Peter warming himself, she looked upon him and said, And thou also wast with Jesus of Nazareth. But he denied, saying, I know not, neither understand I what thou sayest. And he went out into the porch, and the cock crew. And the maid saw him again, and began to say to them that stood by, This is one of them. And he denied it again. And a little after, they that stood by said again to Peter, Surely thou art one of them, for thou art a Galilean, and thy speech agreeeth thereto. But he began to curse and to swear, saying, I know not this man of whom ye speak. And the second time the cock crew. And Peter called to mind the words that Jesus had said unto him, Before the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. And when he thought thereon, he wept. I've read to the end of the chapter. Let's kneel for prayer. Eternal Father in heaven, thou who hast made us and created us, formed us from the dust of the earth through the father, Adam, and the mother, Eve. O Lord, these 6,000 years since then, much has happened. But your plan, which was already mentioned in that early garden, has come to pass in this chapter. For shortly, your son would have to be delivered. His heel will be crushed. But he will crush the head of Satan. Through his death, 
his burial and his resurrection, he achieved victory over sin, victory over the penalty of sin, victory over the power of sin, and eventually victory over the presence of sin forever. Father, we thank Thee for this great, greatest story ever told. As the Apostle Paul said very plainly and simply, this is a, an acceptable saying that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. And he considered himself to be the chief. Lord, we thank thee for the gospel message. We thank thee that you loved the world so much that you gave your only begotten Son that whosoever shall believe on him will not perish but have everlasting life. And this is the good news to men. This is the good news to mankind. That we don't have to live in misery, in death, in separation from the living God because of our sin. But that your son didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And so we thank thee for this unspeakable gift of salvation and the gift of the Holy Spirit that you will give to all that believe on you and accept your blood as a sacrifice and atonement for their sins. Lord, we are not worthy. We do not deserve it. We deserve death. But through your sacrifice, through your grace, you've given an opportunity for all that is here and that all that hear your gospel message throughout the world, not only today, but if you would grant them in the days to come, can be saved. Father, we thank thee for the opportunity to hear it. We thank thee that we could come together into your house of prayer that we could worship thee in spirit and in truth as a corporate body here in Toronto. We thank thee, Lord, for the peace that we do have, the opportunity that we do have. For as we have already heard this morning of the atrocities that are being committed in the Middle East, amongst your people that were chosen that were chosen by thee, the living God, to bring through this gospel message, the Messiah that would come from their loins, from the loins of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Lord, we thank thee, and we, we pray, Lord, that your will would be done in the Middle East, not only in the Middle East, but throughout this world abroad that people may realize there's only one hope for peace. There is only one hope for life. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the Prince of Peace. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the way, the life, and the truth. O oh Lord, help us that we may continue to pursue him, to seek him out, to be willing to live for him. For he is Christ in believers, the hope of glory. We pray for those that are sick, those that are shut in, as we've heard already that you would be with them, that you would comfort them, that you would strengthen them, and that your will be done in their lives. Some in the very twilight of their lives, perhaps in the last hours of their lives, we pray that you would be their comfort and strength and keep them 
We pray for the isolated, the widows, the orphans, the fatherless. We pray, Lord, that we would not only pray to send you, but you have sent us to be your hands and feet, to be your lips, your mouth, your ears, your eyes, and your heart to this lost and dying world. And to the brethren, Father, we thank thee for your many blessings. We pray that you would be with those that are traveling, that you'd give them a safe return. We thank thee, Lord, for the return of our dear sister, Biorica, who's come to visit and to, to help out. We pray that you would make her stay a blessing and she'll be a blessing to others as well. Be with us now as we would look into your word. Speak to our hearts. Be with our dear brother as he would preach it. Give him the words from above, the clarity of mind. And open our hearts to receive it in meekness mingled with faith. For we give you the praise, the honor and the glory. For all you do in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. I've read a fairly lengthy passage this morning, but it's been with a purpose. A couple weeks ago, you may recall, um, Brother Eric preached a sermon on Pilate and Christ. And I've always been fascinated by the, the secondary characters in the crucifixion account as it's recorded in the Gospels. The reactions of people to not only Christ, but in that, in that moment of, of trial and decision, character is exposed by how they react. We looked at the failure of Pilate two weeks ago. Today we're going to look a little bit, with the Lord's help, at the failure of Peter and what we can learn from it. It's not the glory in anyone's failures, for I think we only need to look in the mirror to to see a fallible man or woman. But it's instructive for us to look at their lives and learn from them that we may perhaps avoid some of the mistakes that they made. The Gospel of Mark, or the Gospel according to Mark, there's only one Gospel, of course. The Gospel according to Mark was recorded by John Mark, who was a nephew, I believe, of Peter. And many scholars believe that this particular account was actually Peter's account delivered to his nephew and written down by his nephew, John Mark. The young man that uh, has the, the linen cloth around himself, that was the, the, his, his tunic, I guess, or his, uh, uh, his, his outer garment, and was ripped from him, and it says he fled naked. Some people think that may have actually been John Mark himself that is kind of inserting that little detail in there because it doesn't seem to have any other relation to the events around it. So it may have indeed been a little autobiographical uh, anecdote that John Mark included. But Peter would, would, would be the focus for our meditation this morning. And let's look a little bit at his life and some of the things that happened that fateful night. Like I said, two weeks ago we spoke about Pilate. And I don't think there could be a greater contrast than looking at Peter. Pilate was indecisive and uh, political. Peter was headstrong and patriotic, and he thought 100% for the Lord on his side. A man of action. Pilate was trying to, to rid himself of having to do anything about Jesus. But Peter boldly proclaims, we read it together, you know, Jesus, Jesus tells the disciples, all of them really, that everyone here at that special dinner that they were sharing together would, be, would, would flee from him that night. And Peter is the first one, as he often was, to say, although all shall be offended, yet will not I. That may be true of the rest of these guys around this table, but not me. Not me. Oh, no. You can count on me, Jesus. And Jesus has a special word for him. He turns to Peter specifically now, and he says, Verily or truly, I say unto you that this day, even this night, it was already even, 
Before the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. Before the rooster crows twice, you're going to deny that you know me three times. And of course, Peter couldn't believe what he was hearing. To be forewarned is to be forearmed. To know ahead of time is to be able to be prepared for something. And Jesus gave Peter this warning. And Peter totally discounted it. He said, no, that doesn't apply to me. How often do we ignore good advice from those that are wiser than us at our peril? I remember an experience, I won't go into the details, but when I was a young man, uh, I got a, there was a warning given to me by my mother about something, and I thought I knew better. I thought, no, no, that's not me. I found out later that she was right and I was wrong. Often those that are close to us, they love us the most, but it seems we treat them the roughest. We have to be careful. God puts people in our life to give us warnings so that we can heed and listen. We don't know the experiences that others have gone through. Some have said it's life's too short to make all, all the mistakes yourself. Learn from the mistakes of others. So here was Peter's first failure, not heeding the warning. He goes with the disciples now to Gethsemane. Jesus takes them there, his favorite spot of prayer, a place of peace and solitude away from the crowds in Jerusalem, the olive grove. Gethsemane, it means the olive press. There must have been a, a large stone press there for crushing olives to obtain their oil. And it was a beautiful, quiet place with ancient trees where Jesus often went to pray. And as he often did, he took aside Peter, James, and John, that inner three of the twelve apart with him a little ways because he wanted their support. And though Peter had said he would never deny him, he fell asleep with the other three. Three times he had to be awakened and it did no good. The lesson here is that failure is much more likely without preparation. There was an opportunity to watch and to pray, to be ready for those events that Jesus warned about, and Peter didn't take them. He thought he was strong enough. Here's a lesson I see for all of us, myself included. When we think things are going, going all right, we, 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 we take for granted the time we need to spend in prayer and in meditation on God's Word, thinking that things are okay. I'm okay. Everything's okay. I don't have time right now. When I have more time, I'll be more thoroughly prepared. But things are going okay right now, so I don't really have to worry. They were in a familiar spot, a safe space. Jesus preferred hiding place from the crowds. There wasn't anything to worry about here. Peter soon found, found out otherwise. Beware of good times and easy things because that's when the, the preparation kind of goes by the wayside, the off-season, if you will. Well, it's said that the championships are won in the off-season. That's the time of preparation when others are not taking opportunity to prepare. That's when the champions are preparing. And immediately, while he yet spake, cometh Judas, one of the twelve. One of that inner circle of twelve disciples that went everywhere with Jesus, ate with him, slept with him in the, same, in the same quarters, perhaps under those same trees many times. Judas, one of the inner twelve, comes and betrays his Lord. And Peter wasn't going to let that slide. They laid their hands on Jesus, and it says, and one of them that stood by drew a sword. Now we can find in other accounts of this that it was actually Peter that drew that sword. Jesus had said to them before, uh, during their, their final discussion together at the Last Supper, he said, Is there any, does anyone have a sword? 
And someone says, we have two of them. And he said, okay, that's enough. Peter obviously had one. I don't know who had the other. Scripture doesn't say. He had that sword with him, tucked under his garment, where, where he knew it would be close at hand, ready to use in his Lord's defense. He realized that things were dangerous. He was ready to lay down his life. And then, when in the, in the heat of the moment, he drew that sword and used it on one of the servants of the high priest, cut off his ear. It says in another place that the ear was healed by Christ. I wonder what that man thought of those whole events. It would have been interesting to read his impression, but it's not given to us. But here in Peter, we learn a few things. Self-assurance in our own ability to do things, our own resources, our own weapons, if you will, trusting in them. You know, there's been a number of mass shootings in the States. I did a presentation for our young people in church almost 20 years ago now on the dangers of violent entertainment, including violent video games and violent movies. And there was a man who is a lieutenant colonel and a psychologist in the, from West Point in the U.S. Army, Army Ranger, tough man, believed in, in violence where appropriate, but he also understood the psychology of killing, and he warned already, I had a book of his that was already a number of years um, old by the time I presented it some 20 years ago, and he was the one who warned there would be more of these mass shooting events because of America's consumption of violent entertainment. He, he, he predicted that. There's even been some mass shootings that have taken place at churches, someone walking through the doors and shooting people. So some in church, in some churches anyway, have taken it upon themselves to exercise their right to concealed carry, to pack some heat in the pews, just in case someone tries something. You're not listening to the words of this book. If Peter's sword didn't do anything for his Lord, you think your firearm's going to be much different? We serve a God who can do anything he wants. He doesn't need your weapon. Not only that, but that weapon caused Peter to make a rash decision, a rash move. And Jesus, in another account, it says, he says, Peter, put up your sword in your sheath. All that take the sword will die by the sword. And so we see the instructions of Christ to his disciples. It's not up to us to defend ourselves. We look to one higher than us to defend ourselves. But the rashness of Peter's actions, I think there's something we can all learn from. Because he did what he did, then he certainly needed to be in fear when he was in the high priest's house among those that he had tried perhaps to kill a short time before. Rash decisions compromise our position and weaken us spiritually. Be careful what you do, especially in the heat of the moment when emotions are high. I talk this to my, I say this to myself. I tend to react emotionally sometimes instead of giving it the proper space. I didn't inherit my dad's more staid nature, and he often warned me Careful. Hopefully I still have a few years yet to learn that lesson. But it's something that we can all learn from Peter. Be careful with rash actions. Verse 54. And Peter followed him afar off. How many here are following Christ afar off today. Still following, but at a distance. Perhaps you've had the experience when you're following another car. In the days before GPS, we used things called maps. (laughs) And sometimes if you didn't know how to get to a certain place and you didn't have a map, you needed to follow a guide. Someone else was in front of you. 
But you had to be careful, especially if it was busy traffic, because if you lost the person, you lost your way. So you didn't want to hang back too far just in case there was a stoplight or something that would you'd have to stop for and the other person kept going. And of course, before cell phones, you couldn't just call and say, wait. There was that momentary panic. Oh, did he, did he see that it was, I wasn't behind him anymore? Did he pull to the side so that I could catch up? Some of you that are my age and older maybe understand those experiences. I think our younger set don't. But the, I think you can understand the illustration. There's danger in following afar off. You can get lost. You can get left behind. And you may not intend it. You may think, oh, Christ is still in sight. I won't lose him. But then something else takes your attention. And when you look up again, he's gone. Peter followed afar off. That's not the safe space. That's not the safe place to be. Follow close to Christ. That's something I say to myself as well. Verse 66, and as Peter was beneath in the palace, there cometh one of the maids of the high priest, and when she saw Peter warming himself, she looked upon him and said, and thou also wast with Jesus of Nazareth. Here we see the final episode in Peter's failure. He had not denied his Lord until this point, even though he was falling afar off, even though he had been rash in his decisions, even though he hadn't prepared, even though he hadn't heeded the warning, he still had not denied his Lord. But now the one who boldly said, though I die, I won't deny you, a little girl, a maid, a young woman comes up to him and says, aren't you one of those that was with Jesus? And now he's afraid. Now his heart beats faster. Now he has to put some distance between himself and Christ. You see, when you're following afar off and then someone accuses you, you got to decide, which side am I going to be on? There may be a cost here. I can't hedge my bets anymore. You know, this episode here, Peter, it says he was warming himself around a fire with other servants of the high priest. And it says in another place that it was a kinsman of Malchus, the one whose ear he had cut off, was there. It was dangerous for him. And many artists have depicted that moment in time. Peter with his face half in the light from the fire, but, but keeping out a distance Brothers and sisters, that's the most miserable spot for a Christian to be in. Halfway between the world and and heaven. It's also the most dangerous. You can't follow Christ afar off. Not for very long. You'll either draw close to him or you'll deny him as Peter did. To stay in that chill, you will be miserable. And the maid saw him again and began to say to them that stood by, this is one of them. And he denied it again. And a little after, they that stood by said again to Peter, surely thou art one of them, for thou art a Galilean, and thy speech agreeeth thereto. We know that accent. You're from Galilee, where that guy was from. You must have been with one of them. Why else would you be here? We don't know you. But he began to curse and to swear, saying, I know not this man of whom ye spake. The same one that says, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God, now begins to curse and swear and say he doesn't even know who he is. Be careful, brothers and sisters. Look at the example of Peter. Don't think you can get by with minimum Christianity. Why aren't we more eager to be in God's house? Why does everyone come in at the very last minute? Are you following afar off? Is this not where you want to be? Now, I come early. I'm good. 
My van's parked in that corner spot every Sunday before most of you are here. Look at me. Guess what? That kind of an attitude? That's exactly the same thing that the Pharisees did. And look where they ended up in. Deicide. Killing the Son of God. All the while thinking they were doing God a service. We can't take pride in our actions, but our actions will show others what is important to us and how closely we're following the Lord. Christ himself said, look, if you deny me before men, I'm going to deny you before my Father. And you can't afford that denial. That denial is an eternal one. There's no making up for that. And the second time, the cock crew. And Peter couldn't stand himself. At that point, I don't know that there was very much different between Judas and Peter. The only difference is what they did afterwards. When Judas realized that he had betrayed innocent blood, that that good man, that just man, was about to die unjustly, I don't think Judas thought Christ was actually going to be killed by the mob. I thought he could make a little bit of money and he would get away, or he thought that he, that he would make a little bit of money and that Christ would get away like he always did, slip out of the crowd like he had before. And Judas would be 30 pieces of silver richer. But it didn't turn out that way. And both Peter and Judas experienced intense despair that night for what they had done with their Lord. But there is hope. Christ never asks us to pay for our own sins. He didn't give Peter a dressing down when he saw him after the resurrection. In fact, his words to the women who met him at the tomb were this. Go tell the disciples and Peter. He's still with them. He's still one of them. Do you see the love of our Lord in spite of our failures? We can probably take these same lessons that we've talked about this morning and line them up with our own life and see at different times where we've made the same series of mistakes. And yet the Lord's gracious. The Lord's gracious. He still asks us, do you love me? And we have the opportunity to answer yes in spite of our past actions. That's the graciousness of the Lord that we serve. He knew Peter was going to deny him. He knew before he went to the garden. He prophesied it. Didn't take the sting away. Christ was still just as disappointed in Peter's actions. It says in another place that when the cock crowed the second time, Jesus looked at him. Can you imagine what it must have been like for Peter to see those eyes turned on him? his face perhaps already bruised and bloodied from the beating of the soldiers, and to see those eyes look at him and to know exactly, exactly what he meant and what he was thinking. It must have been awful. It says, or church history says that Peter cried every time he heard a rooster crow after that event because it was a reminder for him. I think that might be a little bit fanciful perhaps because he knew the Lord had forgiven him. But, you know, we don't have to wallow in misery at our past mistakes either. Jesus doesn't want that. He does not delight in your pain. He will use pain and difficulty, like he did with Peter, to strengthen him, to prepare him for a greater work. Even his failures were used by God to mold him and to make him into the man that he would be. The one who would take the word of God to the Gentiles. And even go as far as Rome and suffer and eventually die for him. He used those experiences and he'll do the same with our mistakes. But let's learn from the mistakes of others. We don't need to go through a Peter experience to be an effective servant for God. May the Lord encourage us with these words. Amen. Would a brother please select a hymn? Our Lord and our God, we come before thee in this morning hour 
Thanking the Heavenly Father that Thou hast brought us into this, Thy house of prayer. Even, Lord, as we have heard this morning how we should be watchful and in prayer. Lord God, we thank the Heavenly Father for all the things that Thou hast done for Thy creation down here. We pray that we would always be mindful of those things that Thou hast done and that we could give Thee the thanks and the glory for Thou indeed art worthy only of this. Heavenly Father, we thank Thee so much for Thy Son, Jesus Christ, who came down on this world. Heavenly Father, we see the trials that, that He went through. We see those things that, that were necessary for Him to, to go through, Heavenly Father. And yet, Heavenly Father, He was a lamb, precious, and without, without any fault in Himself. Lord God, we realize, Heavenly Father, that we, we also are sons of Adam, Lord God, and that, that we fail, Heavenly Father, the many, many times. Lord God, we pray that Thou wouldst uh, give us the, the courage and the strength, Heavenly Father, to continue on, to, to be ever watchful, and, and to be in, in constant prayer, even as Thy Word tells us. Lord God, we, we pray that Thou wouldst also shield us from the world where even Peter stood himself halfway between the world and, and to the, uh, his God. Lord God, we pray, Heavenly Father, that Thou wouldst give us the strength that we would draw nigh and ever nigh and continually nigh unto Thee, always endeavoring, Heavenly Father, to do what is Thy precious will. Continue with us in this afternoon hour. Continue with us in this day, Heavenly Father, wherever thy children would be placed on this earth. We thank thee, Heavenly Father, that in this building, in this city, Heavenly Father, that thy word yet resounds, and we would pray, Heavenly Father, that it would continue, Lord, to be a beacon unto thee, so that men would be drawn into this assembly Heavenly Father, to learn of thy precious and holy will. Lord, we pray all these things in the name of thy Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Would a brother please select a concluding hymn? We are all glad for Peter. Peter being the, the disciple, the apostle that Christ gave the kingdoms, the, the keys to the kingdom in Matthew chapter 16. He said, upon your, this rock, I believe his statement that he made that Christ was the son of the living God. I will build my church, Jesus said. And he said that before Peter denied him. And he treated Peter with great and tender love. We know that there was a, a restoration at the end of the Gospel of John when he singled out Peter and says, Peter, do you love me, Simon? Yes, Lord, I love you. Feed my sheep. Do you love me, Simon? Yes, you know I love you. Feed my sheep. And the third time he asked him, Lord, you, Peter, do you love me? He says, you know I love you. And he was very up frustrated or, or saddened. He said, feed my lambs. I'm not sure how many times he said lambs and how many times he said sheep. But... And then he told him what was going to happen to him. Not only was he to feed the sheep, and his lambs. But he says, when you were young, you went where you wanted to go. When you become old, you will stretch forth your hands, and they shall do unto you what you really don't want to, wouldn't want to happen to you. 
whatever they want to do to you. Legend says, as we heard, that he was crucified in Rome and according to legend, upside down because he requested it because he didn't feel worthy to die in the same manner that Jesus died right side up. Legend further says that as he was going to his death, his wife passed too, also going to her death. And he told her, be strong, do not give up, do not give in. You see a marked change from the Peter of the night of the betrayal to the letters that he wrote, 1 Peter, 2 Peter. And you see a gentle Peter. You see a caring Peter. You see a Peter that reminisced the time he was up in the mount with the Lord and saw his glory in the Mount of Transfiguration. You see a Peter that talked about suffering, how we ought to meekly suffer. And you see a Peter that's charged the shepherds to rule with meekness, with gentleness. And he said, be ye clothed with humility. It was a trial that Peter went through that he would never forget. And he wasn't regretful or, or, or should I say um, remorseful because he sinned so much against the Lord and now how is God going to forgive him? He was remorseful because he betrayed the one he loved. That broke him. The very one that he loved. He betrayed. And I pray that we, as we heard earlier, would learn from other people's mistakes. That we would learn from our own past mistakes. And remember that we serve Christ not because we have to, because we want to escape hell, but we serve Christ because we love him. We love him because he first loved us, John says in 1 John 4. I pray that this is the motive for living and serving the living Christ. To him be the glory evermore. Amen. This concludes our service.